Good morning. It's, it's, it's always a pleasure to be in the house of God with people who love God, searching for God, reaching for God, and yet accepting God, knowing that He is truly God. As we start this new series this morning on the churches that Christ Himself wrote to, wrote letters, to point out different things, good and bad. And, and we, we, we did this series back about six years ago, and we, we have to know that these letters, these things that God writes, are not just storybook items. This is the truth of Christ. His word speaking to us as the body of Christ, the church, but also to each individual heart. Because so often we point to the church, to the pastor, to the teacher. And we forget that it's God who is speaking to us. This is serious business when He directs us and guides us to His will. To break us away from our will that His will be done. Back then, we, we studied the Scriptures and, and we started off with what if Jesus came to church? What if Jesus came to church? We start at this time with when Jesus came to church. When he stepped in and said, hey, I need to get your attention. I need to get your attention right here. So out of the last series, we came up with our core values. But our number one core value always is to seek Christ. Not just to seek Him, but then hold Him in esteem with reverence, with understanding. Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do we want God's wisdom in our lives? Or are we just looking for that time together that we feel good? Scripture tells us to be careful of our feelings. They will lead us astray. But seek the Lord in all things. Do we ask Him? Do we look to Him in every decision? Or do we then say, you know God, I think I got this one. I think I got this. I'll give you this much. But I can take care of the rest. Let's let Christ take care of everything. Let's let Him be that light in every decision we make, every thought we make in our lives. Over the last six years, if you can just think back, you know, we, 
We talked about 9-11. That's 20 years ago. Children at that time are now adults. And yet, unfortunately, unfortunately, for the United States especially, it's the last time that the church really gathered as a group. People were looking to the church. And yet, it's the first time that it faded very quickly, even after the devastation. And that's just like this letter to Ephesus. You have lost your first love. We forget to look to God. Because we think we can handle it. We think we can do it. But we are powerless without the Holy Spirit in our lives. Totally powerless. We can't do one thing without the power of the Holy Spirit. God gave us this. Jesus Christ died for us that the Holy Spirit might come into our lives and guide and direct and comfort and do all these things that he says we do. Everything. You know, right now, the eye is on the church. The news media, everybody, whether good or bad, they're looking at the church. We have not felt the real tribulation in the church yet here, especially in this small community. But I believe wholeheartedly it's coming. Are we prepared? Are our hearts prepared? Are we ready to take stand with Christ? Not what we believe, not what we think, but what God has said to us to do, to take a stand on the truth, to be there. Jeremiah 29, 11-13 For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. What a great promise from God. Are we resting on that today? Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. It starts right here. It starts right here. First in every individual heart. And then as the body of Christ come together 
God is then lightened. He is the spotlight on everything. Every thought, every movement, the peace in that is so overwhelming if we just accept it. We bring it in. We let it fester in us and let God just work in us. Fill those empty voids. So we're going to start this morning in, in uh, Revelation. And I would encourage you, I would just so dearly encourage you, don't let this stop this morning. Go home this afternoon, tomorrow and the next day. Dig out that Bible. Start it. Start at verse 1 in Revelations and just feel the power of Christ speaking. Get into it. Get to know it. This series is going to go through all the churches. And yet, the first letter pinpoints the one thing that is common with every church, not back just back then, but today. If we lose our first love, doesn't matter what guys we're under, what missions we're running, what ministries we're doing, if God isn't the highlight of every last thought, we can start down that wide path. We can start down that wide path. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among, among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the gift to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So he writes to this church, and by all outlooks, if that church was down the street today, we would all go right there. They had a lot of great, God says, look what you've done. Look what you've done. You, you have great ways to, you, you, you've come together. You've done these things in my name. You've, you, you do all the right things. Perseverance is one of the best things that was in their accolade, because guess what? They were hammered on day and night by all kinds of evil, and yet they endured. They kept it together. They pointed to Christ. They suffered without pity. 
uh, in Ephesians, which is, is literally the church of Ephesus, um, it, it shows us what um, some of these things that we are to do. As a prisoner for the Lord, this is Paul writing to the Ephesians, I urge you to live life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you are called to one hope. When you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. Is that the God we look to today? Or do we put God in this box? Or maybe we make our own God, because guess what? The God I make for me agrees with everything that I think and do. Because he's such a great understanding God. He knows that if I do it, it's got to be right. Or do I pray to this God of truth? This God who says, no, I have the plan. I have the knowledge. I have the understanding. I have the wisdom. Do we want to follow that God? Because he's the God of truth. Or do we step in there and we say, well, Lord, you know, uh, as we start this, uh, is there one thing that God might have missed? And we go, Lord, what about this? What about this? You know, God wrote this book. He gave, breathed every word in this. And he didn't ask my opinion on one item, not one. I know that's hard to believe, but, but guess what? This is the God I want, because guess what? He knows more than all of us put together ever will. And yet, somehow, we start moving him aside. We, we, we have these good things. There's, there's the good, the endurance, the perseverance, all these things. Take a look at each and every one of these. It's all right there. And then we skip down to this, to this part that, that says, okay, now we're going to come to a reality. You've been doing all these good things. But guess what? Somewhere in there, you took me off of the throne. And usually, I know in my life, that if I take God off the throne, I put myself on that throne. Selfishness. Evil desires. Sometimes it's because I deserve this. Because. We get distracted sometimes by those things 
that are so prevalent in our lives that we've made them God. We're doing all of these things for what started out to be the right reason. God led us to them. God put them in front of us to do. And then all of a sudden, our focus is either on that thing or on ourselves. We dethrone God. We take Him off of the heights that He belongs in. Jeremiah 2.2, it says, I remember the devotions of your youth. How as a bride you loved me and followed me. We need to go back to that. We, 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 we start doing these good things. We do them for the wrong reasons because we started out so on fire for God. And then all of a sudden, we start letting little things distract us. And usually, number one, it's me. Sometimes it's, it, it just starts, and it usually doesn't start off as anything huge. It starts off with a thought. Well, I work so hard at the church. Or I read the Bible so much. I mean, it can be anything. A lot of things can kick God out of that spotlight. Those distractions... Those distractions are so terribly hard on our lives when we don't allow the Holy Spirit to work that love through us. We have got to do everything to the power of God. Acts 1, 8 says, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you do these things. The power of the Holy Spirit, not your power, not my power, the power of the Holy Spirit. So why do we do these things? God says in, in Scripture that you do these things because I've done everything for you. I've done everything for you. I willingly gave my son to take your sin. God willingly came to earth, left that sin through Jesus Christ to save As I was going through this, it just kept coming back to me, that hymn. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Take that in. Let the Holy Spirit into the core of Every being here. 
that when people look, they see light. They see everything as Christ. And we never want to put ourselves as the light. Only Christ is the light. So, we have to do these things for that special, true relationship with God. There is one thing that Satan really loves is when we nibble at that one temptation and he has put one little wedge in that relationship that we have with our Savior. It's all it takes. 99 and 9 tenths of us are not out there doing this big, bad, maybe one of the Ten Commandments. We're not doing those. But if there's one thought that gets in our way, puts a wedge in that relationship we have with Christ, then Satan has done all he needs to do. He can move on. Because we have taken that right. Let's pull that wedge out. Let's pull that wedge out. Renew that relationship with God the We, we get so distracted on sometimes some of the smallest, insignificant things because guess what? We're not looking for them. They start creeping in, and just like these people in Ephesus, they were on fire for God. They did everything right. And it doesn't tell us specifically what happened. What dethroned God? Because guess what? It was probably multiple things that did it. Because each person's desire was a little different. Each person's fall was a little different. And yet it culminates into one thing. Destruction. You know, we want to get back to that young, fresh, holy, pure love of Christ. Because that's what he gives to us. Do we have a pure love of Christ? You know, I, I hear many reasons a lot of times why I came to church. So why do we come to church? Well, uh, I, I, I keep coming back because there's this person and they're just so happy and friendly and great. And you know what? That's perfect. Here again, that's where we need to be. But if that's the only reason we walk through these doors, we better take a second look. We better be walking in. Be prepared to worship our Lord and Savior. To worship our Lord and Savior. Friendliness, the word, the love, the encouragement 
Yes, that's every one of us. That's why we gather to encourage one another. But if we don't step through these doors, whether it be a Bible study, whether it be church on Sunday morning, to worship and enjoy the everlasting God of our lives, we better get back into the truth. We better grab a hold of this truth. Read every word. Take it in. Dissect it. Put it to work. Put it to work. James is so blatant. I'm glad that the Holy Spirit uses a man like James to put that in there and says, guess what? Show me your faith through what you do. Are we doing that? Are we doing for God? Are we doing it for ourselves? Show me by your faith by what you do. Be bold in Christ. Again, don't put ourselves out there because that's, a, that's such a distraction when we start putting I in any of those equations. We go back to the message of last week and, and, and we talk about the, the feast that the king put together and he put out an invitation. He put out the invitation. And many, many, many didn't accept it. Have you accepted that invitation to do God's will? Have you grasped hold of it? Have you feasted on His Word? If we're not doing that in our lives, we do it. You know, we, we, we get so wrapped up in, in, in ministries and, and some people just go the extra mile and they're just continually busy, but guess what? You know, I, I, I know some this morning who won't be able to, to, to be in here with a group, first or second service, because they don't have enough help that they can split that up. What a sad deal that is in the church of so many. There has to be a great balance between, between contributing and consuming. We have to take the time to sit down and be willing to accept that word into our hearts. And then we have to use that to then know how to contribute to the same body. There has to be a balance in there that, that God, God is not a God of chaos. God is a God of order. Do these things. Take these steps. And every last one will lead to that kingdom. It will lead to that great understanding of wisdom, 
of this God, our Father, who gave all for us, and we give so little back. It, it's, it's hard sometimes, and, and I've, I've battled with this. I told the men yesterday morning that, you know, fear holds us back from so much. Fear separates us so much from that power of the Holy Spirit. Doubt. What are you afraid of this morning? What's holding each one of us back from giving God every last ounce of us? Now, we have to remember, this is the God that gives all. This is the God that supplies everything we have. Right down to our last breath. Right down to our last breath. And sometimes we treat him as a sideline. We kind of take him off the throne, we put him over here. But the minute something happens in our lives, we go, God, where, where are you? Where are you? Because we're looking up here, and we forgot we took him and we put him in the corner over here. We put him in the corner. Now we've got to go pull him back out of the corner and we set him back up there. And everything's going good for a while and then pretty soon he starts slipping back away. It's so subtle, ladies and gentlemen. It's so subtle that sometimes we don't notice it. That's why Scripture tells us to be wary. Look around. Know the pitfalls. Know what's going on. Understand what God has for us. I, I think if we, we go back to church, get back to the basics of just exactly, God gives us one command in the end. One command. You know, right now in America especially, but, but all over the world, the church is so divided because we can't decide what the truth is. Because guess what? We rewrite this. Do we go to Scripture to let it talk to us? Or do we go to Scripture with an agenda? Saying, Lord, this is my thought. Justify it. And you know what? A lot of times we can do that. Because we just rewrite this to our own benefit. We, we need to crown God with that crown of glory. We need to accept the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. We need to endure. We need to step out. We need to step up. But we can't do that if we're not praying. 
if we're not enjoying the truth of Scripture and if we're not putting it to work in our lives. Sometimes we get this thought that, you know, God has supplied the church for us for just a benefit for me. But it's a training ground. It's a school. It's a source of strength. The pool is deep and wide when it comes to God. But we have to be prepared to take that in. And keep God at the pinnacle of every thought. So this is this is the commandment. This is what we live by. This is what we do. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Which in all reality is not two. It's one. Because love is the center of Love is the center. And love is not the love that most commonly comes out in the dictionary or anything else. This is God's love. This is God's power. This is God's will. If you want to know what God's will is in your life, just get into Scripture. And it will tell you. But the one basic factor from end to end of this book is in every case we have taken God off the throne. From Genesis to Revelation the God that supplies all things all the time in every circumstance we go we don't need you. We don't need you. And yet, he is exactly what we need. Because we can't take a breath without him. He holds everything in his hand. Every last breath. Every last breath. Are we willing to proclaim God in our last breath on earth? Is he our last thought? Is he everything to us. Every last thing. If we in our hearts are holding back one little thing, we think we may be hiding it from God. But guess what? We don't take him by surprise. We do not take God by surprise. You may think you do, but we do not. He knows every last thought. Not just at the time it happens, 
but he knows that thought for the last umpteen million years. He's known it in us. I think that would encourage us to look to him and go, God, here I am. I shocked the, other, the class the other day by going, you know what? We need to just bear ourselves, be naked before God. Is your heart naked before God right now? Can he see every last thing? Does he have access to every last part of you? Or are you holding something back? If we're holding one little thing back from serving, praising, thanking God, then there's a, there's a problem, there's a wedge in that relationship with Christ. So what do we do? What happens in our lives? You know, we can, we can look at the last 20 years, the last 100 years. We can go through churches and where they've been. We look at men who have been killed by the church because they spoke the truth. I mean, we can look at things for hours and hours and never come to the bottom of the different phases of church life and, and personal life and, and how this all works out. You know, as God goes down through this and, and writes this letter, he first talks to the church as a body. And he says, okay, guys, come on. Put me back on top. I will give you everything. But then as he gets down to, the, to, to a personal level, it, it becomes more endearing to each heart. And... speaks to this particular 1 Peter 1, 1 through 3, and he talks to leaders. And it's so important to, to remember what a leader is. And a lot of times we look to the pastor, well, that's his job, or the teacher, that's their job, or the 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 worship director, well, that's their job, but it's everybody's job because guess what? Good or bad, whether you're the shyest person in this room or you're the most outgoing person in this room, you influence someone. Your life, your thought, influences someone around you. How are you going to influence that person next to you? What are you going to do? Take this personally. How are you affecting that person right next to you right now? Are we putting God on top? Are we grumbling? Or do we have a true praise and worship for God? Every 
last thing we do has to be about Jesus. Every last thing we do has to put Jesus first. Now, a lot of these things, most of these things, we can't do anything about. You are powerless. I am powerless. But God says, I have the power. And I give it to you through the Holy Spirit. I give that power to you. You have, Jesus said, you, you will be able to do more than I did. Wow. Do we have that power in our spirit? Are we taking advantage of it? It's always interesting. It's always interesting. Even myself at times, I'll, I'll catch myself, oh, I just can't do that. No, I can't. But God can. The Holy Spirit can take a hold of you if you let him. He is not going to put you in a stranglehold and say, come on with me. But he will beckon. Just like last week's message, he will invite you. And he will give you that power. Let's put Jesus first in our lives, our thoughts, our beings. Let's put Jesus in everything we do. Let the Holy Spirit work. Let everything that comes about there's a doubt in any life. Just stop. Close your eyes. And say, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch there's not a reason in the world God should accept me. But guess what he did? He said, come to me. You who are weary and late, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. The final thought tells us that, you know what? Jesus is coming soon. What is that? We don't know but we better be ready. Our hearts need to be in tune with Jesus Christ, our Savior. Be ready. Prayer. Prayer for this body, the entire body of Christ throughout the world right now is taking a hit. Let's put God back on that throne. Let's keep God on that throne. And let's make it difference. We start right here in this community across the street to your neighbor in the pew. We make a difference. That will then spread to all the churches. Be in prayer. Keep God first. Open your hearts, your minds, your soul to his every direction.
Gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we do know that nothing takes you by surprise. We, we know that our, our pastor and leader, his family, is hurting right now with sickness and, and this thing that's going around, but it didn't take you by surprise, Lord. And, and we just ask that, that, Lord, just put a hedge around him. Lord, let them know and have that peace in knowing that the Holy Spirit is right Lord, there's many other in our congregation right now who physically are ill. Some are spiritually ill, Father. May we all come together. May we keep you on top and know that you are not taken by surprise in anything. But Lord, let us be workmen. Workmen for you, Father. That your, your light may shine to the world and that that next person Lord, I would just pray that if there's anybody here this morning who has a doubt, who has a concern about their lives, would, would not be hesitant to, to pick somebody and say, hey, I, I need some help. I have a question. Whatever it may be, Father. Or you know what? The word is touching me. I want to accept Jesus Christ as my precious Savior. I want to surrender. I want to surrender all to Him. Father, thank you for being with us and, and guiding and directing every thought. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us the will, the desire to reach that next person, to spread the gospel, to shout from the rooftops the glory of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and the Holy Spirit. Father, we praise you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.